success looks so easy from the outside, but all successful people have had to overcome enormous obstacles along the way. And in many cases, look failure right in the eye. Most successful people don't focus on the struggle and they rarely talk about it because that's not what creates success. Join us here where we'll chat with serial entrepreneurs, both men and women, and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship. We'll talk about the obstacles we faced and how to overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Cami Lehman, and this is She's Invincible. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us today on She's Invincible. And do we have an invincible one to introduce you to today? Lenore Myers, attorney, family law mediator, has been practicing law since 1986. Even though she licensed to litigate cases in Pennsylvania, the Eastern District Circuit Court and the Supreme Court of the United States, her vocation is to be a peacemaker and her passion is her business divorce done differently. Oh my gosh, Lenore, welcome to She's Invincible. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Cammie. I'm so happy to be here with you. Oh my gosh. And so happy to bring this topic to our listeners. We have not brought this to our listeners. We are uh, over 190 episodes and it is high wow. time that we bring this to them uh, we have a big community and we're always bringing them education and value. And I think this is such an important topic. So, so glad to have you with us. Let's jump in. Let's get okay. started. Let's tell our listeners how in the world did you get where you are today and what makes you invincible? Um, well, um, my dad was an attorney and, you know, there was a couple different things I thought I might want to be like I wanted to be a veterinarian until I had freshman biology in high school. And then I thought, no, I can't do this as much as I love animals. So after that, I always wanted to be a lawyer. So that was just how I, you know, proceeded. But the reason I wanted to be a lawyer was because I wanted to help people. That's just my nature. And so when I graduated from Law school, actually, while I was in law school, I interned at the public defender's office. I handled mental health review hearings, um, representing people in commitment hearings then. And I continue actually to do that part time for four different Philadelphia hospitals for outer counties. So I just have a passion for human nature and helping people. And while I was working at the public defender's office, I happened to be in a judge's chambers, an old time judge and a colleague of my dad's who happened to be one of the grandfathers of no fault divorce in Pennsylvania, saw what I saw, how I was handling the judge, happened to be impressed with me, called my dad and said, hey, do you think she'd come work for me part time? And so I did. And um, I worked for him part time. What was it, four or five years while I was building up my own family law practice? He was a great mentor. I learned so much from him. And then he got an offer to go downtown to be a partner for a big firm. That wasn't what I wanted to do. I didn't want to go downtown to Philadelphia. So I just kept moving forward. For me, the the professional epiphany of what I really wanted to do was when I was at a Pennsylvania Bar Association family law conference and I was still practicing with this other attorney and someone stood up and said, I am a reformed custody litigator. And I thought, that's what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> so... I started looking into options of how I could be part of the solution instead of part of the problem. Because as I was, you know, working part time with this attorney, I just saw the most devastating things happening to people and families and how they were getting ripped apart in this adversarial system in the courts. And I thought there's got to be a better way. So in 92, I think it was 92, I traveled to Maryland for a week-long course in mediation because they weren't really offering it up here. 
and became just a certified mediator. And I did do some mediation here and there, but it really wasn't something that people were really interested in. And then in 2010, I had the opportunity to get one of my other dream jobs, which was to be a custody conciliator for Montgomery County. So part-time, I helped settle custody cases for the courts in Montgomery County. And the more I did that, the more I knew I just didn't want to litigate any more cases. I just couldn't do it. And then I happened to be able to join up with a mediation firm for a little while and then left there and launched Divorce Done Differently. And now I don't do litigation anymore. I just try and help people come to peaceful resolutions because divorce is painful enough without pouring salt in the wounds during the litigation process. Mm. You couldn't say that any better, right? It's like, say that a little bit louder for the people in the back of the room. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm a product of that. You know, I don't even know if I ever shared that with you, but I, my parents divorced, they separated when I was five. So that was such a traumatic experience of uh, abandonment, like all the things, you know? Um, And so I know firsthand how horrible this can be. And I love that you're doing this work because you're saving so many kids uh, in the process, right? And today we yeah. we we meet people that are traumatized or you know have issues because of things that happen uh, as children. And I love that you're there on the front lines, right? So hopefully you're. It's like the story of the starfish, right? You're like, well, I helped that one, right? You can't help all of them, but I look. I love that story. That story is the story that I always would use with my son's teachers and we'll get to that later, but that's how I do feel that that saying is actually on my desk. I love Um, my, my courtroom has the walls are lined with inspirational quotes about children because which I put up because this is, you know, my vocation is to help families do this in a better way because the children are the building blocks of our society. And if, Parents aren't able to create a better role model for how healthy relationships are supposed to work for their children. The children are just going to repeat that. Right. Like thing it's the chain, right? It's a it generational, is. it's a generational curse is what it is. And if they, if they just do what they see and they do what they learn, they learn from what they see. So it's scary. It is. Well, I, I can tell you, I've had grandchildren people that either my father or I represented appear in front of me as the conciliator. Mm-hmm. So, and there's a saying I have posted in my courtroom that says it's easier to build strong children than to repair damaged adults. Oh, yes. There's that. That's a quote card right there. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. Wow. Well, I just love the work that you're doing and and just the way that you stand for the families, you know, and in situations like this, there are no winners, but the kids always end up somehow being the losers in in this. Right. They're the ones who bear the most of it. They end up being. It's, it's the truth. Yeah. They end up being like the bargaining tool and the, you know, all of the things. And it's so sad. And so I'm so happy to have this conversation with you today to educate people more about what might work best uh, in situations like this. Of course, what works best is never being in the situation, but you know, we can't always avoid that. And so, and when we can't, we still can do better. And I'm here to have that conversation with you today. So so glad. Yeah. I'm so excited to share you. So before we do that, I want to ask you what makes you invincible? I'm very tenacious and strong-willed. I can tell you this. My inspirational story, I'm Sicilian, half Sicilian. My inspirational story is always about the Sicilian donkey. He was old and they threw him into the hole and they were going to just bury him. And every time they poured dirt on him, first he was screaming, but then he was like, wait a minute. Every time they poured dirt on him, he'd shake off his back, stamp down the dirt. until. He just got to the point where he could jump out of the hole because he made use of all of his challenges, made them lift him up. And that's pretty much how I approach my life. Any challenge that 
comes my way. And maybe that's why I became a lawyer. Or maybe that's part of my lawyer training is. And it's a saying that my husband actually uses a lot with my son, but it's how I live. What's the problem and how do we fix it? Oh, I love that so much. And I think everything is figure outable, right? Marie Forleo says that. She mm-hmm. wrote a book about that and it's true, right? But you have to be willing to to do that. I love this. I love where this conversation is going. So let's dive in to this topic. There's two ways to go here, right? So there's litigation and there's mediation. So let's dive in and let's first unpack that. Tell us what's the difference. And then we'll get into what's best for who. Okay. So litigation is a process whereby two parties who have conflicting interests become represented by attorneys, not always, but, and they take their issue to the court for a third person, a stranger in a black robe who really doesn't know either one of them, to make a decision based on the law and the facts presented. Now, each side shades their set of facts to make them look like they should prevail. But the judge is the one in their discretion that makes the decision about whether or not the facts of the case fit within the parameters of the law. Now, when you have something like criminal law, there's some pretty specific things that have to be met to have a criterion for being found guilty for a crime. In civil law, there's some pretty specific criterion, say for contracts or sometimes even personal injury cases. But in divorce, it's a little more nebulous. It's general parameters and it's discretionary. And on top of it, it's really emotional. And the decisions are not based on emotionality. Like in personal injury cases, there's pain and suffering awarded. In criminal cases, there's restitution. In divorce, no. It's when you come into the court and you present your assets and debt, there's 11 factors in Pennsylvania that they go through, that they look at to determine who gets what. And they're pretty general. I mean, they go from, you know, the health of the parties, the age of the parties, whether or not they had prior uh, marriages, whether they have other property outside of the marriage, what their educational background is, what their earning capacity is, how long the marriage has been, whether or not they're taking care of the kids. But it's there's it's no fault. It's not divided based on any fault. Mm. You divide assets. not So somebody could have been a rotten person in the marriage. They could have cheated. They could have stolen. Now, the, you know, they'll look at whether or not somebody dissipated any assets or added to the asset, but they're not going to re- award anything more or less to somebody because they cheated. And also they they look at they don't say, well, because somebody was a stay at home spouse and they didn't really work to acquire that that property that isn't held against them. Mm. So and in divorce, there's there's factors that if you're going most people go through what's called a no fault divorce, which means both parties agree that the marriage is irretrievably broken and they want to move forward or they've been separated for a year or more. Some people go through fault divorce, but really proving fault and divorce doesn't necessarily get you any more or less. You know, so in fault, the fault grounds are bigamy, adultery, mental health in certain things. Somebody's cruel and barbarous treatment. Somebody has done you irreparable harm. But that just means you can get divorced. That doesn't mean that the courts are going to give you any more or less. Mm. And then there's an issue of what's called alimony, which is support after the divorce. There's no formula for that either. There's 17 factors that the courts look at. 
which are pretty much all the factors that they look at for dividing assets and debts, and then a few other factors. And this stranger in a black robe really doesn't want to hear about, you know, what each of you put one one another through emotionally, makes a decision as to how you're going to divide the assets and debts. And each county does it a little differently because before you get to the judge, you get to something called a master. And most counties, actually, the judges will just kind of review what the master did and approve it or not approve it. And so what ends up happening in litigation is people are in this fright or flight mentality. It's really traumatizing. Your whole life is on the line. Your whole universe is imploded. The other side is vying for getting as much as they can. You're vying for getting as much as you can. If you have attorneys, the attorneys are doing lawyer speak to you and patting your hand and saying, don't worry, I got it. And they're going in and talking and coming back out and saying, well, we can do this or that or the other thing. And, you know, you you really are almost like in a daze. You, despite having prepared for it and going through it and knowing what it's all about, you're in this court process where either the attorneys are trying to come to a settlement with the judge or the judge listens to all this testimony, which is, you know, it's so emotionally draining for the people. And then you put your faith in this person who, based on parameters that you don't even really understand, decides what you get and what you don't get. So it, it's it's just adding trauma. And then, you know, you're already, you've already been wounded by this ex-spouse and they're continuing to wound you. And, you know, everything that you guys built together and everything that you thought that you were giving to one another is just, you know, just like of no consequence. It's, so it's a very invalidating experience and very emotional. And unfortunately, sometimes there's no other alternative but that. Right. But that's litigation. It's very, very traumatic. And lawyers aren't psychologists. They're lawyers. So they're busy fighting for you. So they're not going to be there holding your hand and like explaining to you what they're doing. It's it, they're doing their job. You paid them to do a job and that's what they got to focus on. They can't focus on whether or not you're having an emotional breakdown. Mm, so scary, right? It's, it's 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 brutal. It's brutal. You know, and I, I when I had clients, I really. I mean, I really fell for them emotionally, but then I also had to keep my eye on the ball and I I just, my heart always broke for them. It really mm. did. It always broke for them. I, I, you know, had emotional connections with my clients and sometimes, you know, you get caught up in their drama too. And that isn't always helpful. So right. that's litigation. So let me ask you this. Does litigation always end up at the judge with the robe or are there times of litigation where the attorneys are able to figure it out and come to some kind of settlement without actually going in the courtroom in front of the judge? Yes, that can happen, but it certainly can happen. But the attorneys are still advocating for what is it, you know, what's their client's best case scenario. So there's tons of emails going back and forth. There's tons of posturing. There's, you know, dirt being thrown back and forth. And you're reading all this, you know, and yeah. thinking, oh, my God, I can't believe they went there. And the other thing is, it's really expensive. Yeah, really expensive. Every email costs you. Every text costs you. Every phone call costs you. And then when you go to court, uh, it's a lot of hurry up and wait and you're paying to wait there. So, yes, um, you can settle it before you get to court. A lot of cases do. It, it, it still can be very expensive because, again, the lawyers are looking at all of your documents. They have to take time to review it. They have to go through and tell you, you know, what it what may or may not happen in court. And then come up with a settlement. And a lot of times 
again, you you know, um, it's hard as an attorney to tell somebody eh, that doesn't matter in the court. But, but they did this, that, and the other thing. Why can't I get something for that? It's the courts don't look at that. It's yeah, it's and not the law, right? That's it's, not the law. That's the not courts the law. Don't consider it, and that's yeah. very invalidating for people. And and they in the litigation process, whether it's you know you're settling through attorneys or through the court, the law is what controls, and that means that the parties have less control over the process. And what the law says may not necessarily fit their circumstances as well as something that they've come up with themselves. Sure. I love that too. And I love, and I, I think that's why I love what you're doing now because you're avoiding that scene and you're doing mediation. So let's slide over to mediation and let's talk about the differences that uh, mediation is and why you are an advocate for it for so many reasons. I know I would love for you to share all of that. So let's start with the whole unpacking of mediation. So, so mediation is a self-directed process where two people come together and where the mediator facilitates the conversation between the party to come up with terms that the parties feel suit them the best and that they're both happy and comfortable with. Um, that's, that is what mediation is. Now, in you know certain scenarios with mediation, parties are represented by attorneys, but in family law mediation in Pennsylvania, they are not represented by attorneys. So you can certainly consult with an attorney to find out what the law is so that you're informed when you're making these decisions. And certainly after the mediation process, um, when you have your marital settlement agreement, you can certainly have an attorney review it. But it, it is not driven by advocate. It's driven by the parties. And so in my mediation process, what I do is I help the parties gather all of the necessary financial documents that they need to make the best financial decisions possible. In certain scenarios where people have a lot of assets or investments, I might refer them to what's called a certified divorce financial analyst who will help lay out their financial picture for them and help them understand what the scenarios are long term in in certain divisions that they are considering and what may be the best way to divide those assets. And so in my process, after all the financial documentation is gathered, we would sit down. But let me say this first, if there's children involved, the very first thing we do is sit down and have a parenting plan because that's the cornerstone for me in, a, in the mediation process. Because once you create that parenting plan, that's going to work best for the kids because the kids are the ones that are doing all the work. They're schlepping back and forth between your yeah. houses and you know your kids best. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, again, if in litigation with custody, the judge makes those decisions and they don't know your kid. But in mediation, you know your kids, you know what works best for them, and you get to create that parenting plan in whatever way, with whatever, you know, nuances you need to serve your child's best interests. And what you need to know about the kids is, you know, they love both of their parents. They want to spend time with both of their parents. Some kids do really great with split schedules and some kids don't. And when you're in the mediation process, you're not in that fright or flight mentality. Your executive functioning is not turned off because you're not feeling attacked. You're able to think through what's really going to work. And it's not, you're not in a position of, I have to win because mm -hmm. if I don't, I'm going to lose because in, in litigation, who loses? Mostly the kids. The ki always the kids. Always they the lose, kids. They lose the most. Uh, they do. You know? They yeah. do. And that is why, you know, my work as a custody conciliator, I'm always trying to refocus parties to do what works best for kids, not what's 
you know, what serves their interests, mm-hmm. which sometimes they lose sight of. And and often it is because of that fight or flight defense thing that is going on. So in terms of mediation, that's why we put that as cornerstone, because everything that the the parties are going to decide financially has to support that custody, that parenting plan. So after we come up with our parenting plan, then we have two financial mediation sessions where during the first session, we lay out all the pieces of the puzzle. We talk about it. Everybody leaves with their head spinning because it's a lot. Right. And and then we reconvene after a few weeks when either you've had time to digest things, get documentation that you haven't, that we didn't have to talk about. And we come up with maybe a skeletal plan. And then the parties go off offline and they discuss it among themselves. Sometimes we need some additional time. So sometimes, you know, there has to be a phone call to talk through some things that are stumbling blocks. Sometimes we actually even have to have another mediation session to get them through to an agreement, but that's actually very rare. And once the parties come back to me and say, these are the terms and conditions of our agreement, because I'm an attorney, I can take off my mediator hat And I can prepare a marital settlement agreement with all the terms and conditions of of their settlement. And then we go through this document, which is pretty extensive. And then the parties, if they would like, well, not if they would like, I do recommend it because it's a legal document. Take it to a mediator-friendly attorney to review so that they are sure that they understand everything that's in that document. And then when we're all done, I actually help them walk through the divorce process so that they get the final divorce. So it's a pretty smooth transition. And and certainly, you know, it, it can be emotional. I make sure that they have emotional support. But it's the idea is that you're in control of dividing your marital estate in a way that's going to best support your family because especially when there's children you're always going to be a family and you know every big and small event that your kids have you're going to be at it's important to not only have them not feel conflicted but also have them have a, a a role model of how in relationships If there's problems, you can move through them in a healthy, supportive way and move past them and respect one another for what you need, which is not what happens in litigation at all. Right. It's a big fight, right? It's like a big street fight. fight. Yeah. You show up with your knives and guns. Because what's happening is everybody's being triggered based on things that happened long before they Mm -hmm. even met one another. And they're playing out this family drama they didn't even know was a tape in their head. Mm. And the kids see that. And, um, you know, especially with custody, I say to the parents in the litigation scenario, after you're 18, you can't come back here and tattle on one another like we're kindergarten cops. You're stuck with one another. Right. And like, if you make it bad enough, your kids are going to move across the country and not want to have anything to do with you because they're tired of the drama. Yeah, they don't want to um, be in the middle of the fight, right? So when it's, no. you know, they're forced when they're young, but once they are adults, they're like, they can bag out anytime. Mm-hmm. And they do. They, they absolutely do. do. They yeah. do. So yeah. the beauty about mediation is it gives people the chance to hold space for one another, to honor what they've each contributed, and to actually be able to mourn together what once was. And, you know, it's a process that they can go through 
in a more healing way. It's divorce is painful, no matter how you slice it. It's it's a really painful process. Mm. And when you get caught up in the adversarial scenario, you you just you don't know you you don't know what's happening. I mean, it's just being taken out of your control. And you really do have control over it to some extent. So if if it's possible to mediate with your spouse, that's the better way to go. I imagine, too, that, you know, there's more stress involved in going in front of a judge because you don't know what's going to happen. Like in mediation, you agree on it and it is whatever you agree on. Uh, And the other is like fight over everything get an agreement and then hope the judge sees it your way versus the other. So I feel like there's a lot more stress uh, going into that place and you're giving, giving up a lot of control. Is that true? Like totally. Yeah, totally true. And the judge may not see it the way you see it. And then again, and then when that happens again, you're invalidated because, you know, when you're going through a divorce, there's part of, the other spouse saying, well, you didn't do that. You didn't give this, that, or the other thing, especially in the litigation scenario, because they want what they want and they'll find reasons why you shouldn't have it. Right. Whereas in the mediation process, when we get to those rough points, I help each party hear what the other one is saying. Mm. I help them each get the validation that they they're looking for and by doing that they move forward to compromise i mean when you are looking at mediation you both have to be in the same mindset you have to both realize you know the marriage is over it's it's not it's not good to stay together you both have to be willing to compromise you both have to not think it's my way or the highway. You have to both think, okay, I'm open to hearing what the other person needs and to work with them to find a way to make sure their needs are met and my needs are met. And especially if there's children, to make sure the children's needs are met. So they're happy going to mom's house and dad's house and they're going to feel proud about that. And their parent isn't going to feel stressed because they have to pay something to the other parent that they weren't willing to pay. Mm. You know, they've come up with a scenario where they've said, okay, this is how we're going to make this most palatable for our children. Because the children are the ones who are the most vulnerable in that situation. Sure. And they have their needs, right? They need the financial, they need the emotional, they, they need all of this support. And so I think that, that, as you're saying, like the parents know better what the needs of the children are than the stranger in the robe. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I, I wouldn't even as a judge, I don't think I would even want to have that uh, responsibility because what if you get it wrong? And there have been times I've, you know, if you read the news, you, you see sometimes that it, it has been called wrong and uh, and it could be end in devastation. And so I, I feel like that's such a big responsibility. It, so it, it really is. I mean, I've, I, I've talked to people. It's funny. I was just at a wedding. I'll just say this really quick. I was yeah. just at a wedding and I was seated next to somebody who had gone through a really nasty divorce in, in our county. And the first judge she had, and it was, and it was a big custody case. And the first judge she had, she didn't feel like she really heard what the concerns were and it was really upsetting but the second judge heard the concerns and actually talked to the kid and that kid he's 30 and he said to me and that the judge god bless her she passed away and everybody thought she was the most wonderful person in the world and she was he said i'll never forget her i'll never forget her she made such a difference in my life so And she was the type of person that, as a judge, that's what she wanted to do. And that's hard to do case after case. But she made a difference there. And it, yeah. and it, 
and he never forgot it. They never forgot her. So it is a big responsibility. And some judges are, you know, when it when it's a good day, they're able to really make the difference that they want to in people's lives. Yeah. And, you know, I was going to say, like, does the system actually allow for you to spend that extra time every time to, you know, and that's like a big question, right? Is, you know, when you go in the doctor's office, right? If there's a really busy day, they're going to spend 10 minutes with you. But if it's not so busy, they might spend 20. Right. And then you walk out feeling like, oh, he really heard me or she really heard me and they understand and they care. Whereas like in a courtroom, there may not be that. uh allowance of time uh to be able to do all those things i just that's a lot um i can see a lot and they're refereeing people fighting yes you know and they're human beings so like it's there's a lot going on they ever i can't say that the judges don't do their best of course they do their best of course Um, but they're human beings like anybody else and they also look through things you know look at things from their perspective which may not be in line with what your experience has been in life right and you know they like anything right there's three sides to every story right so they 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 have to weigh in on what they hear not what maybe really is the truth and that's that's got to be so hard so what about now so we have both sides of this and there's two different ways you can go um is mediation for everyone can anybody do that I like for everybody to try, but not everybody can. Good answer. (laughs) Um, You know, there has to be both parties have to trust one another. They really have to trust one another that the other person is going to show up honestly and that they're going to discuss everything and be willing to cooperate and see things from the other side and then have the goal of making a decision it's best for everybody concerned as opposed to what is best for them Mm. because when you make there's something called the Nash equilibrium and that I talk about and it's a theory that if you do what's best for everyone the result is exponentially better for everyone than if you do what's just good for you Mm. so that's you have to go into mediation really yeah you have certain things that you might have sticking points but you have to be open to wanting to do what's going to be best for the family overall i love it and is there like a top 3 list of uh things that you should uh look at to know whether mediation is for you or is there is it just like call me and i'll tell you <laughs> how's that work um i think if you're Well, I would say any again, and I think anybody should come and find out what it's about, because I don't think a lot of people know what mediation is. But I think if there's no violence in the relationship, if you're able to feel like each of you is open to discussing things. And here's the thing. Maybe you're not there yet, but you might be want to go through some kind of counseling, couples counseling, marriage counseling. That will get you to that point, because I've had a lot of referrals from therapists who've worked with couples to get to uh, them to the point where they've kind of hashed out a lot of stuff because they've wanted to go to mediation. Mm -hmm. And they'll come to me and they'll say, oh, you know, I'll say, you guys are doing great. And they're like, well, it took us a long time to get here. So if if you don't think you're at a mediation point where you feel that the other person is intractable or angry or you just are fighting too much, you might want to think, well, let's go to couples counseling. Let's figure out what those emotional triggers are first so that we can get to the point where we can divorce through mediation. And there's also something called discernment counseling, which is, helping a person come to a decision that they really do want the divorce and why they want the divorce. And sometimes individual couples going through discernment counseling to process why they know divorce is the best thing for both of them or for them, that that helps them process all of these emotions that might get in the way of a successful mediation process. 
Mm, Makes um, sense. Yeah. And, but the thing is trust and compromise. You (laughs) have to trust the other person and you have to be willing to compromise. And if you can't, mediation might not be the path for you. Mm, There you go. Right. Now, is there a thing like, is it, if you have children involved or custody involved, is it better, would you say, to to really try to mediate first? Or is that your recommendation? I would always say try and mediate first if you have children. I mean, even through the custody process, they make parties go to mediation before they come to the conciliator or the judge. Mm. Because you're stuck with one another. And yeah. you have to learn to talk to one another. And you have to learn to be that role model for your children of what a healthy relationship is you don't want that child to feel emotionally like you're each taking an arm and pulling because in the long run that's the most damaging thing you can do to a child you're already imploding their universe because you couldn't figure out how to make your relationship work you 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 know don't make things worse for them so definitely your children are involved you really have to have a desire to mediate. I mean, that mediation is the best thing you can do. The best gift that you can give to a child because they'll be more well-adjusted. They'll be calmer. There'll be less anxiety. They'll have a better set of relationship tools to make choices with their own relationships going forward. And you'll have a better relationship with your kids going forward. And studies that. have shown that mediation as a makes for a less of an impact on your children in the, in a case of divorce. Oh, that's good to know too. That's really mm-hmm. good to know. I think it's scary too. I think if, if, if a judge is the one who makes the decisions on your kids, I think you, you end up resenting that it's like, cause it's not what you wanted and maybe you don't agree with it, but that's when you get to that place where you give up your uh, control of making those decisions, uh, then then I think it makes a more hostile situation for everyone. Because oh, if, definitely, if the kids don't want to go, and then you say, "Well, I didn't want this to happen either," you know, it just ends up ongoing as a situation that everyone is in uproar about. Oh, I remember really? those days, my friend. I remember those days. Oh, I'm okay. So sorry. Oh, I'm I so know. Sorry. I know. I know. Me too. But you know, like. Now we know better, so we have to do better, right? That's how that works. Exactly. That's how that exactly. works. And there are people like you, uh, and I'm sure there's mediators in every state. Now, you pr- yes. you only work in Pennsylvania? Yes, okay. I, I I only work in Pennsylvania. I just want to um, make sure. I mean, I could mediate in other states, but I couldn't be, serve as a lawyer. Gotcha. So I tend to just stay in Pennsylvania because I think I can serve people the most in Pennsylvania. And you can finish it off, right? Like you yes. can go all the way to the end. Yeah. And yes. that's that's important. You want to stay with the same person all the way through. So you have so many things going on here. You've got a Facebook group, a YouTube channel. Uh, I want to talk about your podcast. And also you have a meetup group for divorcees. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Um, so let's talk about, uh, first, tell me about your podcast. So my podcast is Dear Attorney Lenore. And um, we deal with a number of different topics. Our next is next week on August 14th. You can sign up through the meetup group divorce circles. And we talk about various topics. The the topic coming up is navigating um, your divorce through the uh, about the divisions of assets and debts. So I can I answer questions that are either sent in to me or we talk about possible scenarios to give people some ideas of what the, you know, answer questions that are either on their individual minds or most people's minds. Yes. Got it. That's great too, because I think people do need a village, right? It takes a village, they say. And in in a time like that, uh, there, I can't see anything more comforting than being in a group where uh, other people know how you feel because they're going through it too, or have already. So I think exactly. that's amazing. And then, um, yeah. So, and for our listeners, everything's going to be in the show notes. So all the links to the Facebook group, the YouTube channel, um, finding the meetup group, 
Divorce Circles, and also the podcast, Dear Attorney Lenore, which I absolutely love. Um, and so let's do this. Let's tell our listeners the, the one place where they can find you that's easy. The easiest place to do to find me is just go to my website, Divorce Done Differently PA. And that has, you know, all the links to everything. And if you can't find it, you can email me, text me, call me, and I can always point you in the right direction. I love it. Oh, my gosh, this has been so eye opening. Thank you so much today for for unpacking this and really showing the differences and uh, the pros and cons of these two different ways to uh, proceed in a situation like this and so valuable to our listeners. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode. And just before we get to the good stuff, right? The good, the bad, and the ugly, I have this great announcement for you. We are starting the Pod Power Hour, which is a virtual event that's gonna happen on Wednesdays at noon Eastern. And so if you've ever thought about having a podcast, if you have questions, if you are a podcaster and you want to come and meet other podcasters and learn what's new, what's happening, tips and tricks to be better at this amazing passion of podcasting that you have, we would love for you to join us. We're going to have experts there that are going to be sharing they're genius. It's going to be amazing. So, and if you're a host and you want to come meet some amazing uh, people that could be potential guests for you on your show, come on out. What a great way to get exposure. Be sure to check it out on my website at camilehman.com as well as follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Whatever is your favorite platform, we will have registration there. You do need to register to attend. And it is on Zoom, so super simple, just one hour every other Wednesday. We start on May 4th, so don't miss out. Get registered today. We can't wait to see you there. You have moved from fighting cancer to discovering how to live beyond it. But what now? With so many emotional side effects still unknown, as a new survivor, you find yourself in a void as you navigate through the isolation, fear, and an uncertain future that can overshadow you and your family for years to come. Instead of focusing on the uncertainty of cancer, consider how strong and determined you are and think of the strength demonstrated by those who stood beside you through it all. Consider this. You now get to choose who you want to be and what your intentional, fulfilled life can look like. You made it through treatment we can help you define yourself as a survivor. We're here to help you through this moment, to walk beside you as you shift your mindset from counting the days of life to creating a legacy. For more information, visit www.adventuretherapyfoundation.org or contact us at info at adventurefound.org. So, you know, we promise our listeners on She's Invincible that we're going to bring them fierce entrepreneurs and we're going to share their expert zone of genius. And you have done that so well today. So thank you so much. You're but welcome. we're not done because we also promise them that while we're spotlighting this education and, and all of your expert zone of genius, that we also want to pull back the curtain because people are always comparing themselves and they always look at other successful people and think she's so lucky or why can't I be as lucky as she is or they always want the life we have but they never want to pay the price we paid to get it so I love to pull back the curtain and have some authenticity so that when people listen to this and they think she's so smart she always knew what she wanted to do and she's so good at it and look at all the things she does and how she helps people I want them to know the truth, the, the things that aren't so much the highlight reels where they can say, oh, my gosh, she had to overcome all of that to have the life she lives today. If she can do that, so can I. And so we're about to tell some fun stories. Are you ready? I'm ready. <gasps> OK, so we're going to start with a story about the good or the greatest part of your journey. I love to hear the good news first. So could you share a little story about that? 
definitely. The greatest part, the good part, everything is my son. No other work I could ever have done in my life compares to being a mother and having being able to see your son or daughter thrive and succeed. And why it's so sweet for me is when my son was three and a half, uh, he was diagnosed as being on the autistic spectrum. We did not know what was going on with him. He started to lose words and have a lot of sensory issues, had a lot of gastrointestinal issues. He didn't sleep through the night. We didn't know what was going on. And I, you know, I was a first time parent and I was watching my friend's child who was a year older, who actually ended up being diagnosed as well on the spectrum after my son. And she said to me, you need to take him to my pediatrician. I think he's on the spectrum. And that was the most devastating diagnosis that we could have ever gotten. I mean, we just cried and we thought, what's going to become of him? But as fate would have it, this doctor happened to have gone to what's called what was called a Dan conference, a Defeat Autism Now conference back in 2003. And she handed us a book that someone had written, a grandmother who was a doctor called Children with Starving Brains. And it was about kids having leaky gut syndrome, the theory was. And I think it was true, at least for my son. I can't say it's true for everybody. For my son, when he got the mumps, measles, rubella vaccine, his immune system was compromised and his gut couldn't fight the 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 live vaccine, and it settled in his gut and it created what's called leaky gut. Long story short, when you digest soy gluten or casein, it breaks down to a morphine substance. It's supposed to stay in your gut, but if you have leaky gut, it goes into your system. And going into his system as a developing toddler, it goes into the limbic system. And that's why you have all these sensory issues. That's like they're on drugs. Like they're walking around in a disco all the time. It was miraculous. We changed his diet. He started to sleep through the night. He started talking a little bit. His behaviors were better, but there was a lot to heal. And we spent our in all all the money we had over the course of his life to give him every therapy we could find, anything. And the kid. He was so good. I mean, and then on top of it, he also had what was called neutropenia, which is a blood disorder. So mm. we would we had several hospital stays because that is the the white blood cells fight bacteria. If his fever went over 104, we had to run down to the hospital. He had to have bone marrow biopsies. He had to have injections, get all the therapies. And that's all we did for most of his childhood. And wow. Well, I remember when he was in his autistic support classroom as a kid, like preschool, kindergarten, somebody said about this one kid, ah, oh, that kid's, you know, he's doing great. He doesn't need to be here. And I thought, wow, only he could be as functional as that kid. And as it turned out, Mike, you know, he got out of the autistic support classroom. He got mainstream. He did beautifully. He won awards. He's an amazing kid. He's going to be graduating from Westchester now. He's pretty neurotypical and he's just a beautiful person. And I'm so lucky that my husband and I were on the same page. We always said he came first. There was no question about it, that we were able to create the space so he could be everything that he was meant to be. And, you know, it cost us a lot at my me professionally, wow, I there's nothing more that I, I could be prouder of and be happier that, you know, I I helped him be everything and, and my husband and I helped him be everything he could be. That's amazing that's, story. That is such an amazing story. And do you feel that that some of some of that story uh, drives you in your work as a mediator? Uh, as these child custody cases come up, because life is hard, right? Like this story you just told many, many couples don't make it through it. Like just the stress no. of that, that's enough to end a marriage. So do you feel that that really 
sometimes is the fire and the fuel behind your passion uh, today in like seeing what could be and how miraculous things can turn around when two people are on the same page and they're really running in the same direction. Most definitely. Most definitely. And, and I have to say, because of his disability, I was more focused on him and being his parent as opposed to sometimes parents lose, like, it's like, well, you know, Johnny's on the baseball team or he's this or, you know, Susie's doing this and she's amazing and she does this, that and the other thing. And, you know, you have to get good grades and you have to do this, that and the other thing. I was able to just be happy with what he was doing and how he was progressing as a child. And so that helped me really be help focus other people on how important it is to just be focused on your child. And yes, I listen, I my heart goes out to anybody that comes before me, you know, either as mediators or conciliator who has a special needs child. And in fact, I collected all of these different things that I looked at for him. And when he graduated high school or was graduating high school, I decided to try and organize it somewhat to help people. And I asked him, what should we call this list that we're going to share with everybody? And it is try your best list, because that's all we said is, are you trying your best? That's all we need. And so I feel that he, thankfully, he has helped me help other people in so many areas that, yes, it definitely is something that I am able to share with people. And I, I love that. And, you know, he's such a blessing that I want to be able to share those blessings with other people. Oh my gosh. And there'll be two proud parents at that graduation, right? Oh yeah. And, and rightfully so well-deserved. And I can't wait to see those pictures all over social media <laughs> because uh, we'll hear it at She's Invincible. We'll be celebrating too for you and for you know, all that you've done to support your son and help him through that time. Not every child comes out of it like yours did. No. And no, that is no, such so an blessed. amazing story. So oh blessed. my gosh. Well, that is so fun. But now we have to talk about the bad. So so let's save the ugly for last. But tell us a story about the bad part of the journey. I mean, I feel like that could have been a bad part of the journey, right? That was the bad that part of the journey really too. Part. Yeah, because, you I know, mean, it ended good. But uh, but yeah, it's hard. It's not easy. I mean, this is why we do this. We talk about these things because we want people to know, like we show the highlight reels on Facebook, but it is not easy. So no. tell us, tell us a bad part of the journey. Give us a story about I mean, the bad. It was, a, it was a struggle. I mean, it was a strain on our marriage. And then my husband actually got sick. Um, he developed Hashimoto's. Financially, it was a strain. It was hard. It was hard. And, you know, I'm not where maybe a lot of my colleagues are at this time in their career. And I'm maybe not you know, don't have as much in my retirement account as other people or might not be as financially sound. Um, and all of that stuff, you know, was really hard. And it's and it weighs on you too. Like, wait, did I do something wrong? You know, maybe I should have looked at things differently or it gives self-doubt, but it 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 was a struggle. I mean, it it was a struggle. And I guess just, you know, my husband and I are tenacious in things that we do and we love one another and we weren't going to give up, but it has not been easy. Yes. It's not been easy, but uh, we are so blessed to, you know, come out the other side. This, this is the good part going, getting here, you know, mm, you know, it takes, it takes, you know, takes a lot of pressure to make a diamond. It takes a lot of heat to make, you know, to smelt the gold. And mm -hmm. we went through all that. And that, that was the bad part. It was, it, it was tough. It was really, really tough. I can I don't only, know how I did it. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I can't imagine how you built a law practice, uh, advocated for a son on the spectrum to the point where he was healed and took care of an, a husband that had an illness. I, I don't even know how I can't even wrap my head around that. 
But I love the fact that you turned it into something great. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if it's just my tenacity or my outlook or probably the angels help me <laughs> because and my son, you know, my son and my husband. You're um, inspired. Yeah. Like that's inspiration to to want to mm-hmm. keep going. Right. Because yeah. you see how far you've come. Yeah, yeah, I think. And that's where we make mistakes. I think as we're journeying is we don't we look at how much further we have to go. And sometimes we need to stop and look back and see how far we've come. And like, mm-hmm. as you said, maybe I don't, you know, have the success that some of your other colleagues have. But but you had your priorities in order and you took that time and energy and focus to what mattered and what was generational. And look at your son now, like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Like not too many people I know could tell that same story. And that is just amazing to me. So and then to have your husband get sick in the process, it's like, oh, I chose the wrong straw, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but, you know that's got to be hard when, when you're the best mediator in the land, right? <laughs> and you can't mediate your own marriage. I guess you got to figure it out. Yep, oh, my yep, goodness. Yep, oh, yep, girl. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't know. I mean, people used to ask me before I met my husband, like, what are you waiting for? You know, you're a catch. Why aren't you marrying somebody? And I said, I'm waiting for true love. And because you, unless you really love somebody, and even when you do, (laughs) it's hard to put up with stuff. It's hard. Everybody comes with a lot of baggage. And, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know how we made it. I don't know how we made it. I really don't did. sometimes, but we did. <laughs> you but did. We did. We're coming you know, up on 25 years. That's um, amazing. That's I, amazing. Yep. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't have done it with anybody else. I love that. I love that. All right, my friend. Now we've got to talk about ugly. Tell us a story about the ugly part of the journey. The ugly part for me has always been watching people fight and divorce where there's kids and watching these kids struggle. I mean, because it's part of what I do for the courts is I talk to the kids sometimes and oh my God, they break my heart. They break yeah. my heart because they're so caught in the middle and they don't have to be. And the parents aren't really focusing on them. They're just focusing on getting back at the other person a lot of times. And it's so hard for these kids. And they come out, I mean, as they get older, and I talk to them as teenagers, I just I just see how wounded they are. And they're going to go out in the world wounded. And it upsets me that they are not going to know what it looks like to have a healthy relationship and that they're going to make a lot of the same mistakes that their parents made and they're just not and they and that could have been avoided i mean listen we all make mistakes we all repeat things and do things that we thought we would never do but some of these kids are so damaged that it takes a lifetime to heal you know, it takes a lifetime to heal. My my husband's product of a divorce and a really dysfunctional family. And he struggled his whole life because of that. Mm. So, and and I have attorneys that'll come in in front of me and they're in their 40s and they're products of divorce. And they'll say, yeah, holidays are still horrible. <laughs> you know, like there's no relief. and And you too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you too have, have walked that journey. I mean, that's the ugly. It is that's ugly. The ugly. Yeah. It, you know, it hit me in my wedding, you know, because that was really the first time I think um, that my parents were together, like in the same room. Uh, and that was really hard. It was, it was awkward for everyone and especially me. It was really yeah, difficult. Of course. And that's, yeah. I mean, I would say to do the parents, like, why does your child have to you know, straddle that chasm between you? Why do they have to do shuttle diplomacy to get what they need from each of you? 
you know, your job when you have a kid is to be there for them. Like nothing else should come before that. But I, I just, I think people don't, you know, didn't get that perspective. They weren't raised that way. Don't know how to do it any differently. And that's the ugly part. I mean, that's the ugly part for me is the damage being passed on. And that's why it's so important in my mind for mediation, because it's the first step towards a healing process. It's the first step towards turning that stream just a little so that it changes the course of the river. Mm, um, I love that. And that, and that's why I do what I do. And you are so great at it. So oh, before, try. oh, you're doing great. So before we say goodbye, um, and I'm putting you on the spot here, but I would love for you to just, um, what's the one thing that you want to say to parents right now that are facing, uh, you know, this or having these conversations about ending their marriage and going their separate ways? What would you say to this, the parents of the young children? I would say the kids are going to be all right as long as you guys make it all right. You know, when you looked at one another, become parents, you saw something in each other that your kids still see. And your kids know that they're half of each of your DNA. And let them only see the good. Don't, don't rob them of that. The most important job you're going to have is is being a parent. And when you're dead and gone, the stories that are going to be told about you by your great, great grandkids are not going to be how much money you had or what kind of car you drove or the biggest house you had. Really, the stories are going to be about what kind of parents you were. I mean, think about the stories you know about your great grandparents. You know, are they good or not? I mean, you know, your great grandkids probably won't even know where you're buried. So that's your legacy. I mean, and it doesn't take long to live a life. So, you know, build the kind of monuments that are going to last. I love that. Oh, my gosh, this has been such an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing so authentically. And for the work that you're doing in the world to make this a better place. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me. And to our listeners, I don't know where you are in your life or your business, but if you're face down on the ground right now, just get back up. I know it feels like you can't do it, but I'm telling you, you can. Tell them, Lenore. You can do it. We're all cheering you on. That's right. Do it. We are cheering you on. You can do it. Just get back up because you can do anything. Thank you for joining us today. If you were inspired or learned something new, please follow the show, submit a rating and review and share us with your friends. If you would like to chat to see if you can attract your ideal client and monetize your business through podcasting, please book a free call with me at CammieLeeman.com. I can't wait to meet you.